Welcome to Estrada Illusions. We are... <laughs> We're back in the Rankin-Bass cinematic universe. Actually, you know, for as often as we laugh about uh, that phrase, and by we, I mean, I certainly laugh about it. And these episodes do pretty well. You guys laugh about it, too. You wouldn't be watching... This thing came out in 1976. We are back with... You know, I enjoyed the small one so much that I thought to myself, gee, why don't we kind of stay on a similar page? Small one and Little Drummer Boy are kind of in the same space, especially as far as a lot of Christmas specials go. Now, we've already done the original Little Drummer Boy, but thank fucking God, people, there's a sequel. Little Drummer Boy came out in 1978. In 1976, after doing a couple very popular Christmas specials, what did Rankin Bass decide to do? They said, hey, remember Aaron, that dour guy? That guy, he just hates people because his, you know, his village got burned, his family, really tragic, horrible shit, and he's only got his animals, and what a, what a Scrooge. Let's build a franchise around him, and let's do a sequel. And I don't know, I could be a little, look, small one, that boy, I mean, he's got a heart of gold. Aaron is kind of like... He's kind of like, if this was Gossip Girl, he would kind of be more like Chuck Bass to the boy from Small Ones, Nate Archibald. And I'm sure, I'm sure there's so many people. We've got this little, tr like, Venn diagram of people who watch Little Drummer Boy and Small One, and then people who watch Gossip Girl and get that reference. Now, I mean, Aaron is kind of the bad boy of the Rankin-Bass cinematic universe. You know, as we prepare to do Rudolph and Frosty's Christmas in July, which is really the Avengers-style team-up of the Rankin-Bass Cinematic Universe, it's really upsetting that Aaron isn't a part of that. You've got Jack Frost, you've got Big Ben, you've got Rudolph, Frosty, Santa. I mean, what the fuck? Anyway, The Little Drummer Boy, book two, as if we are starting such a great... It really is kind of remarkable that this was released eight years after the original because it basically... We've talked a lot about the differences in Rankin-Bass specials between the 50-minute ones and then the ones that are 25. The ones that are 25 have much less space to fill their narratives with just these non-sequiturs, these idiotic songs, and a lot of nonsense. This one, this one, it's... Little Drummer Boy Book 2 occupies a very weird space in, in, in with regards to that kind of theory because... Little Drummer Boy, the first one, it's pretty tight. I mean, it's choppy. Ben Haramid is a good villain. Aaron is is compelling. It's got a good ending. It, it does drag a little bit. But this sequel, this sequel, book two, is really running on fumes. And, I mean, the special begins right where the last one left off. They're in the manger. They're in Bethlehem. Aaron, you know, he plays it. I Mary gives birth. Gives birth in a manger, pretty shitty spot to, to give birth to a child, and then all of a sudden, you know, you got this kid banging, this kind of misanthropic kid banging on a drum, like, that's really, if I was capable of giving birth and a kid came in with a drum, I would, you know, epidural or not, I would climb, levitate out of bed maybe, that could be proof of a higher power, and I would go and whatever I, whatever was available, I'm not a picky person, I really am an accommodating person, but whatever was available, I would kill him with it. Uh, maybe even the drum. Uh, <laughs> we're told, oh, this is only the beginning. So Aaron, 
I, I guess they didn't want to use all three wise men. We get uh, Melchior, who is uh, traditionally the oldest of the three magi. Uh, he needs help. I guess they need to bring... This is another kind of puzzling thing about this special. I mean, you give birth in a manger. These rich people come. They've got gold, frankincense, and myrrh. What they don't have is a hotel room. Like, if I were Joseph, I'd say, yeah, yeah, gold is nice. Can we get a fucking room for my wife who was impregnated by an omnipresent deity? Like, can we get... Can we, like, not the honeymoon suite? Not gonna be picky, but maybe, like, two queen-size beds... I don't know, people. There's donkey shit all over the place. It smells. And what are the three wise... I mean, they really are. They call themselves three wise men. But at the end of the day, these people are men. They bring gifts that he'll need in the future, not the present. They don't do anything for the comfort of the wife. And what is Melchior thinking about doing? He's thinking about bringing more people to this manger to witness the baby. I mean... My God, like these people they just met, and what are they trying to do? They're trying to bring everybody on the planet Earth to come see this, this, you know, little boy king. If I were Mary, I would be, I would almost kind of like be glad that, that Joseph wasn't the real father, because as a husband, that dude is really shit at his job. But, uh, Melchior, Melchior, who hasn't gotten Mary a hotel room, he thinks, gee, what is. What does Mary need? Mary needs these gigantic silver bells so that everybody knows to come and annoy the fucking shit out of her. So, I, you know, this is basically what the entire plot of the book, uh, of book two is. The book, book two. Uh, so we have Simeon, who is a bell maker. Now, Brutus and the Roman, Brutus is ahead of this Roman company. He has awful, awful, this gross arm hair on him. It makes me even sick to think about. He's, a, You know, Ben-Hur Ahmed was a pretty good villain. I really actually, in the years since we did, we did Little Drummer Boy two years ago. I, I, I actually did watch Little Drummer Boy again last year because just, it, you know, it was on. It was on Peacock. It was on. No, I put it on. Um, the Gone, gone. Uh, Freeform is still around, but, but you know, you I wasn't flicking. I, I turned it on. Uh, I actually like Little Drummer Boy. Ben Haraman is a good villain. Brutus is gross. Uh, he's actually he is semi memorable. I don't I don't hate this one as much as I thought I was going to. <laughs> but Simeon is this. Uh, he typically makes he's a barrel maker. It, it's hinted, you know, he, he's not supposed to be portrayed as a particularly wealthy uh, as a wealthy man. You know, he's 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 just working hard at his trade and Brutus and the Romans come to tax the shit out of him. And what do they find? He's been making these I guess he and Melchior have have kind of collaborated on the coming of Christ because he's got these gigantic bells. And one thing that I I've kind of been struggling with is where did he get all of this silk? Like this is gigantic. The, these bells are huge. They're made of pure silver as the Romans quickly they break into his they knock on his door to tax him. Wait, first of all, Jesus later on says, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, but render unto God what is God's. He, Jesus is not against paying taxes. He 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 act, like he's not a member of the dirtbag left in every way. He does fill out his taxes. He, he you know, he he probably doesn't use TurboTax. Uh he's got a lot of powers, but uh he he's not anti-tax and yet Simeon is hiding and he, he's got his, he's hiding under a blanket with his, or, yeah, hiding under a blanket with his bells, and the Roman army, they break the door in, because he won't, con I mean, it's weird, 
the Romans are, are kind of a little bit assholes about it, but but it's kind of one of those situations where their assholishness is, is kind of like a process crime because at the end of the day, they are there to collect taxes that, I mean, guess what? Like, I'm, I don't want to sound like I'm pro-Roman, but this dude is straight up hiding from, they have a right to be there. And you know what? He's got very, very valuable silver bells. Those are taxable. We That's, that's you know, we have a sales tax in this country. Am I for that or against that? No, but but do we really need to shoot the messenger here? I mean, sure, the Romans are dicks, but, I mean, Simeon just doesn't fundamentally seem like he's, He's, he's kind of a shady guy, people. So Brutus doesn't like that. And they're just trying to tally up. Like, he's presented as, oh, this barrel maker. Where did he get the funds for all this silver to make the bells? This, this, this doesn't make any sense. I mean, what's weird is that the wise men are supposed to be kings, the magi. They're supposed to be wealthy. They, they traveled to, we saw it in the last special. They travel to the manger. And yet later, when Melchior brings Aaron into the fold as his protege or something... Uh, he's riding one of Aaron's, he's riding Aaron's donkey. You've got Samson, Joshua, and Baba, uh, Aaron's three animals who have returned for the sequel. But, but Melchior doesn't have his own steed. So, I mean, is Melchior bankrolling these silver bells or is Simeon doing it? I mean, there clearly is a lot of tax fraud at play and I don't want to sound too pro-Roman, but I'm kind of sitting there being like, something isn't adding up here. Where the fuck did these bells come from? I just don't know. I mean, I guess we can accept that Melchior is not traveling with, with, with a company or a battalion or any kind of... You know, he's a king, he doesn't have any troops, doesn't even have a bodyguard, whatever, traditional magi. I mean, they don't, they don't show up with... Uh, they, bring, they bring a lot of people at when, after they get there. They don't show up with a lot of people, but I'm just kind of wondering why these, like, this extremely valuable silver is being left with a ba barrel maker when they presumably know the Romans are going around taxing people. And, I mean, they are committing tax fraud. Like, I, I really don't want to side with the Romans here, but I'm just, like, I hate how this special has a actually pretty strong anti-capitalist song that comes, that comes about, half, about halfway through the special. I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves because we're almost right there. But... I don't know. I don't like the tax fraud. I just don't like it. I think it's bad. Um, not that you shouldn't pay your taxes, but I mean, look what they did to Martha Stewart for insider training. What what kind of I mean, maybe 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 she saw this and was like, you know what? I don't have to pay taxes. And then we sent a great woman to jail because of the, it's not the same thing. Wesley Snipes tax fraud. He went to jail. People growing up watching. Little Drummer Boy, book two, what are they learning? Tax fraud. Guess what? Tax fraud puts you in jail. Don't do it. It's not a good idea. Store your money. If you have money, store it in the Cayman Islands. Don't don't put it under a blanket when the IRS is about to kick down your door and Brutus with his disgusting arm hair. I don't know, man. I don't know. But anyway, so the bells get stolen and Melchior and Aaron arrive and... They come up with a plan. They're gonna follow them. I mean, there's a there's a Roman a, a Roman legion that have these gigantic. Maybe maybe these bells are heavy. And they're supposed to be pure silver, but a donkey and a camel are able to pull them away. So I I, I really I just don't know. Uh, Melchior and Simeon don't really have any plan. Aaron comes up with half of a plan, which you know I gotta say there was a part of me that was about to say. What a stupid plan, because Aaron comes up with half of a plan, but 
I really like heist shows and stuff like Mission Impossible. So guess what? The plan often goes wrong. Not so much in that 60s TV show, but it goes definitely goes wrong in the movies. And a lot of heists, they go wrong. But Aaron comes up with half of a plan. I mean, he is the little drummer boy. What does the dude know how to do? He knows how to play the drums, especially in front of women who have just given birth. But he thinks to himself, gee, I'm going to go in and entertain them. And then they're kind of like, okay, but what then? He's like, I don't know. I mean, it's not the worst plan. That plan actually does fundamentally, there's a little bit of trauma involved, but that plan actually does basically fundamentally work out. Uh, Melkir and Simeon basically do nothing. Aaron, they find the little oasis where the uh, Roman legion is parked. And uh, But before Aaron infiltrates the camp, we get a very compelling anti-capitalist song that basically goes through the fundamentals of Marxism 101. I mean, if you read Das Kapital, this is basically all the stuff that's in there. Brutus says when they invented money, they invented greed. And he, he, you know, he says back in the day, when somebody, you know, needed butter, they'd give an egg. Now, I guess he's trying to say that, that money as a way to standardize that is, is, is bad. Uh, God, where am I a bad Marxist if I'm kind of like, okay. The only, my only problem is some of his, some of his equations of commodities uh, don't really line up like a pig being worth a bag of bushel of wheat. I don't necessarily agree with that, so... Some of his numbers don't make sense. Uh, he's not fundamentally wrong. He's just talking about how, basically, capital is a bad thing. Now, it's kind of weird to have a Roman officer talking about this, but as he kind of says later, when they lose the bells, he just doesn't want to be blamed for it. He is kind of like, this is middle, Brutus is middle management here. So, he's kind of a compelling character. He's not Ben Haramid level of, like an icon. I keep thinking of George Santos when I hear when I think of Ben Haramid because Ben Haramid is extremely effeminate, uh, and he's a scumbag and he's a grifter and yeah, that's you know George Santos pretty gay. Maybe we'd do a live action Little Drummer Boy and I I would probably not want to put George Santos on a stage. He would uh, spend a lot of the budget. On, he'd spend his per diem on Botox. That's for I'm not sure. Anyway, uh, the money the money song. I mean. If you want to look up like Little Drummer Boy Book Two song and see the money, money like that's that's kind of basically the best part of the whole thing. Uh, it's not it, it it is a little clunky, but um that happens and <laughs> then we get Aaron. Aaron had a good plan: go in and entertain them while Brutus. They decide that they don't want to carry the bells around; they want to melt them and basically make silver bricks. That's not the dumbest strategy. I mean, we just got done with small one where this old donkey is worth like a piece of silver. Those bells are huge. That's a lot of money. If I were Brutus, I would probably pocket a lot of that. I mean, it seems a little odd that they're going to try and melt the bells out in a desert oasis. Uh, they have this pot that doesn't look like it could, maybe it could fit the smallest bell. But if you look at what happens when they take the bells and have to like build a mound around them, I don't know. That doesn't make a ton of sense, but... um. Uh, so anyway, you've got Aaron who, he comes in and he says he's going to entertain them, but he wants, he wants his bag to be filled with gold so that he'll sing more. And he gets the kind of shitty reaction that, I mean, you know, Troubadours, Troubadour, that's not a high paying gig. And he thinks he's going to get a bag full of gold because he's drums a little bit. Like, I think the Romans honestly kind of give him the reaction that I would have expected Mary to give him when he's coming into the manger 
like blasting his drum like fuck the fuck off dude that i mean that's basically what brutus brutus does i hate his arm hair but and he's kind of a dick but i do you know it's kind of like falcon and the winter soldier you know he's out of line but he's right he has a lot of interesting things to say about capitalism and he's kind of a quiet quitter i mean i kind of like the guy it's kind of like ben haramid too um yeah it's 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 certainly an odd situation but uh they haven't gotten the fire going, and uh, what's he? What what is Brutus? Brutus is pissed off. This this you know troubadour with his animals coming in, demanding gold. I mean, if I were Aaron, I'd be like, hey, give me something to eat, and I'll entertain you guys for a couple hours. That seems like a pretty good deal. A bag of gold for for what exactly? Aaron is not really much. I mean, we did see him entertain a little bit in the first little drummer boy, but I don't know, man. Uh, so they take his drum and they use it as kindling, and they use his sticks to start the fire. I mean, that's, it's, it's kind of traumatizing. I gotta say, like, I, I, I'm not a fan of that at all. But the distraction actually does uh, bear fruit because Samson and Joshua are able to, you know, a donkey and a camel, able to get the bells away and all these dumbass Roman soldiers who kind of, I guess, have the same attitude toward their employer as Brutus. They're not terribly interested in uh, guarding the bells. Uh, they escape and, uh, I mean... Finally, they're able to kind of pull the cart away, Samson and Joshua, but they do kind of struggle to get it up the hill, and Simeon and Melchior are able to pull— I mean, those bells look so damn heavy, but they're able to pull them up, and then Aaron gets back, and I guess we're kind of— you know, Aaron's lost his drum. I guess we're all kind of waiting for this big showdown between the Romans and our our little, you know, our heroes. We've got— you know, three animals and two dumbass old guys and Aaron, who is pretty much just as stupid. But uh, they they hide the—they're worried about the tracks. They're worried about the tracks leading to the bells, but they're able to cover them in sand. You'd think maybe they could, you know, cover their own tracks and then use these mounds of sand. They're just digging. I don't—I don't know. It, it, this is—it's not very good. Uh. But they hide, and I guess maybe fitting for a sequel to a special that didn't need a sequel, there is no real grand climax. Brutus basically is like, we will speak of none of this. There will be no mention of bells when we get back to Caesar. Octavian is not going to be happy. Of course he's not going to be happy. This whole thing is bullshit, but they don't need to tell him. They could have just basically committed fraud anyway, kept the bells, melted them down. A lot of silver. There are a lot of, I mean... That's a lot of money. That seems like enough silver for Brutus to retire on. I, we don't know. We don't know where Simeon got it. Uh, but they give up very easily and they leave. And uh, they're able to take the bells back to Bethlehem. Because God forbid Mary gets a moment of peace. And uh, Brutus also has another iconic line. He says, of all the animals, the boy is the most unmanageable. As somebody who's mostly heterosexual... Boy, can I attest to that. Men are extremely unmanageable. I had to babysit a golden retriever puppy for two weeks by myself, and she was extremely unmanageable, but certainly more manageable than your average guy on uh, Grindr or Tinder or... I don't know. This is... uh, It's kind of a mess, but... uh, they put the bells up to some big spire, and uh, you'd think, like, Simeon and Melchior would say, okay, Aaron, you basically saved our asses, you know, you can go now, I guess, but nope, you know, he's got to lead them to Bethlehem, but he doesn't, he's pissed, he lost his father's drum, pretty traumatic, uh, I guess Simeon has, 
He has material somehow. I mean, but he's able to craft a new drum in basically two seconds. Uh, which, I mean, I got to be honest, is probably... it. You have to suspend disbelief for where he got the material, but knowing the trauma that Rankin Bass, I'm thinking about Nestor, the Christmas long-eared Christmas donkey, about all the kids like bullying and laughing, I wouldn't put Rankin Bass. I wouldn't put it past Rankin Bass to basically say like, "Hey, you're you're traumatized about your you know your drum that burned. Like, fuck fuck off, kid. No more drum." But nope, he gets his drum back. Now he's got to lead people to Bethlehem because. They've got these bells that are up. It looks like kind of a scene out of The Wicker Man. I don't know. This whole thing, it, it's it's a mess. But the special ends with, do you hear what I hear? Uh, yeah, it's this. there's not a lot of depth to this special. It's pretty stupid. We get next to no character development from Aaron. Uh, his contributions are both, both minimal. I mean, his animals really save the day. He does provide a distraction. He loses his drums, but he gets a new one. Uh... They say like, oh, there's so much more to the story. No, this is this is this is pretty this is pretty slim. This is not much of a sequel. Uh at least like I guess let's try to put this in context with something like Rudolph, uh Rudolph Shiny New Year. Rudolph Shiny New Year is a dumpster fire of what the fuck. Like it's a it's a it's a train wreck. It's pretty much a disaster. And yet at the same time, they're trying to do something. All of those islands of the, the years, the Arpeggio, like, they're at least, like, trying to do something worthwhile with that narrative. This, I don't know. I mean, the songs are good. The characters are all right. Uh, this actually moves pretty fast. There's not, like, a five-minute segment where you're just like, what the fuck is this? Why is this even here? Oh, wait, they're padding out the runtime. I gotta say, like, I, I, I don't I don't fundamentally hate this. Uh, what I don't like is that it's kind of, uh, it's not standalone at all. You basically have to watch it right after you watch the first one, or you're not really going to remember anything. There's not a lot of value to watching this one, except in the sense that, like, Pinocchio Christmas, Life and Adventures of Santa, well, we like that one. Uh, Jack Frost, Santa Claus is Coming to Town. I'm naming a lot of, like, the 50-minute ones. Rudolph, Shiny New Year, regular Rudolph. Uh, those are... We've talked a lot about how the, when they get longer, they get dumber. So if you look at if you look at Little Drummer Boy and Little Drummer Boy Book 2, those are both uh, sort of halvesies of your typical Rankin-Bass fare. If you look at them as sort of two sides of the same quesadilla, then what you've got is... I don't know. It's not the word... We get... We get 50 minutes of Aaron between these two as we kind of start to wrap up and we look at Aaron as a protagonist. He's pretty solid. Jack Frost is a better protagonist. Uh, Santa Claus in, in Santa Claus is Coming to Town is a better protagonist. Life and Adventures of Santa Claus is an acid trip. It's a, it's a, it's a absurd, absurd special. Uh, you know, that's got... Does that have better characters than Aaron? Uh, certainly for this one, but maybe not Aaron as a whole. Uh... There is a certain endearing quality to book two. I was expecting to hate this special a lot more than I did. Uh, we actually punted on doing this one last year because I was I picked uh, I picked Nestor and uh, the first Christmas story of the first Christmas snow. Boy, that's a nice redundant title. Yeah, those got picked over this. Um, I think this one is is kind of better. It's am I happy that it exists? Yeah, the songs are the. It's got a good anti-capitalist message. It's definitely not as stupid. Uh, the animation. The animation in the 1968 one, the first Little Drummer Boy is one of the earlier of the Rankin Bass. Uh, 
that is very choppy. This one is a lot better. It, it's pretty nice, minus the arm hair on Brutus, which I'm going to have nightmares about. <laughs> I don't know. I don't like this one very much. It doesn't have a lot of redeeming qualities. Other than, I mean, solid music, not the worst part. Uh, anim animation, animagic, as they would call it. Solid. Uh, story, pretty bad. Uh, nothing, nothing there. No real memorable characters. Aaron himself is not very memorable. He is pretty memorable in the first one. So, I don't know. I mean, it feels kind of like this is worthy of high praise because it's not an absolute train wreck. It's just kind of a nothing, which is, on the rank and bass scale, pretty solid. I mean, we just did Twas the Night Before Christmas. That was pretty awful. This, not as awful. Pretty solid stuff, anyway. Our, uh, we've got at least... We'll probably do two more Rankin Bass. Uh, this is the third holiday uh, episode that we've done uh, three days in a row. Uh, we will not have an episode tomorrow, but we will be recording. That'll probably go up uh, on Friday. So uh, yeah, I don't want to commit. Yeah, I, I promised, oh, we're going to finally have a guest. Well, we're not. Be and it's not even because they canceled. It's because it went on for so long. I didn't want to do it. Nice programming note. Um, so lovely. You know, you promise things in an episode, then people listen to it years later, and they're like, what the fuck did they even talk about? What do you mean this week? It's 2023. But you may be listening to this in 2026, 2027. I hope not. Let's let... I mean, that's kind of the fun about Rankin Bass. This stuff, like, you wonder, why was this made? You wonder, is anybody thinking how this is going to be received decades down the road? Because it's going to be played decades down the road. And the answer back then was clearly no, but uh, we're doing that... <laughs> Christ, what a worthless. All right, we're circling the runway, which is time for us to say thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time. <laughs>